0: I want you to take your Bibles or your apps or whatever you read on, and today we're going to be in Romans chapter 5, Romans chapter 5. Now, if you're not sure how to find Romans, uh, I totally understand. This book's got a lot of books in it, and it can be difficult at times. So if you're not sure how to locate Romans, here's what I would encourage you to do. Take your Bible, open up to the beginning, to the table of contents. There is no shame whatsoever in referring to that. Romans is in the big section called the New Testament. So locate the New Testament. Romans is just a few books in, and so find Romans, go over to chapter 5. Now, if you're in an app, simply pull down the list of the books of the Bible. You'll find Romans is about two-thirds of the way down that list. So Romans chapter 5. Uh, When I was in high school, I worked for a construction company for the last uh, two or three years that I was in high school, and one day, uh, one of the jobs that I had to do was to carry some cans of paint uh, into this uh, particular room that we were working on, and I'm carrying these cans of paint, and I had sat one down uh, because I was losing my grip on it, and as I turned to pick up the other cans, I bumped it, knocked it over, paint went everywhere, made this huge mess. I mean, it was everywhere. It was on my shoes and along one wall and all over the floor. And I knew in that moment that I was going to pay a pretty hefty price for knocking over that can of paint. I knew that I had to face the music. I had to go in and tell my boss that I'd made this mess, that I was going to clean it up. And I had to get to work quick because paint gets into everything. and It's hard to get off of almost everything. Uh, It took me hours to clean all the paint uh, off of everything and, and to get that whole place cleaned up. And of course, I wasted a can of paint, which I'm sure my boss wasn't too happy about. Have you ever had to pay the price? Have you ever had to face the consequences of whatever actions it was, whether good or bad? Have you ever had to... Fess up to something or face the consequences of an action you've taken. Well, today we're going to talk about facing the consequences of our sin and why Jesus dying on a cross is so fundamental uh, to our forgiveness and how all that works. Uh, you know, we're in the Easter season. Next week is Easter. And so uh, we want to focus on the cross and the resurrection of Jesus because that is what Easter is all about. And so I want you to take take your bibles now and look with me now at Romans chapter 5. We're going to begin in verse 6. So Romans chapter 5 beginning in verse 6, it says this. For while we were still weak at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Verse 9. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. You see, why do we need Jesus? I think that's the question. Why do we need him? Why did Jesus have to come? Why did Jesus have to die and rise from the grave? Why was all of that necessary? That's the question that I want to look at today. Uh, what is the necessity? You see, according to Romans chapter 5, God's love drove him to help us. We spoke about last week how disease, sin is a disease that has been passed down from Adam to all mankind, and that sin, that disease, uh, makes us, uh, leads us to eternal death. To, to eternal punishment. There's a, there's a consequence to that sin, to that disease. Uh, but here, we're called enemies. Uh, there's a discussion about needing to be reconciled with God. Why were, his en- why were we his enemies? Well, the fact is, is that we, through our sin, tore apart. We broke our relationship with God. It was broken. And because of that, we need someone to reconcile our relationship with God. But we can't be reconciled until our sin is dealt with. You know, the reason that the relationship was broken was sin, First John chapter 4, verse 10 says this, In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be a propitiation for our sins. Now, there's a big word in there that I don't want us to miss, but, but think about what it's saying here. It's saying that this is love, not that we loved God, but that God loved us. Who was the one who broke the relationship? God? No. The one who broke the relationship was us. It was our sin. It was our disobedience that tore apart the relationship that we had with God. But God loves us so much that he initiated. He provided the way to fix that broken relationship. And that big term there in John, 1 John 4.10 is propitiation. Now, propitiation is an interesting term in the Greek. It always referred to one of two things, either sacrifices that were made to appease a God or it was a court term, a a term used in court hearings. It means something had to be done to satisfy the judge or the court and to render the guilty person innocent or in right standing in the eyes of the judge or the court. In other words, if you think of this from a courtroom perspective, we are the guilty party. We're the defendants. We're the ones who have broken the law and we need somebody to come in and help us be set right, to be declared innocent in the eyes of the court. That's what sin has done. Sin has made us spiritually guilty. And so our sin... Is lawlessness. If, if you look in uh, later in, in 1 John, you read that sin is lawlessness. James tells us that sin is knowing the right thing we should do and not doing it. And so, we are guilty. We have wronged. We have committed these wrongs. But how do we made right? How are we made right? How can we be made right in the eyes of a perfect God? If we are truly guilty, I mean, think about it for just a minute. A good judge would never let someone who is guilty go. They would never set them free. They would ne- never declare them innocent, especially if that criminal is a repeat offender. Now, guys, let's be honest. We, if our sin is the crime, we are repeat offenders. I mean, every single one of us sins over and over repeatedly. Uh, you know, some of us more than others, but, but all of us are in a continual state of temptation and sinning and not doing the right thing. Now, a good judge would not let a repeat offender go with no, no penalty. But, We're the repeat offenders and we need somebody to pay the penalty for our crimes. We can't do it. Our debt, uh, our debt to the court, our debt to the judge, uh, our debt to the system is too great. It's too high. We could never pay it back. Our sins are too many. And so we need someone to help us with this and only Jesus could do that. Think about it. Jesus was and is God's son. He's part of the Trinity, the Holy Trinity. And so only he was qualified to be able to pay the price for our sins and declare us innocent. So so imagine an eternal courtroom imagine a, a a judge that is sitting behind the bench and you're brought forward as the accused and the judge pulls out a list of all your crimes and it's on a scroll and that scroll rolls off his desk and rolls down the hall, the, the aisle through the courtroom and it goes out the door and down the hall of that court building and then it goes out the front doors and it rolls down the street and it goes on and on and on. And on, because we have committed so many sins. We're guilty of so many sins. And he is about to render a guilty verdict because we truly are guilty of these crimes. And just before that gavel drops, Jesus comes in and he stops the hearing, he stops the trial, and he looks at the good judge and he says, Judge, I have already paid the price for this person's crimes. And the judge says, "Well, okay. If Jesus has paid the price, then this person is declared righteous. They're declared right in right standing in the eyes of the court. We are declared innocent of the crimes we've committed." You see, we deserve punishment because we are criminals. We deserve the penalty. We, des- we deserve to be declared guilty. But Jesus, through his death and his resurrection, he declares us innocent. He declares us as stand- in being in right standing in the eyes of the court. And so we're declared innocent and we are set free. No longer guilty. But as you know, if you're a follower of Jesus, our innocence is a calling to go and live like Jesus and to show others the the salvation, the rescue that Jesus can provide to them. But one of the coolest things about this whole thing is that it doesn't end there. You know we've been declared. If you're a follower of Jesus, you've been declared innocent. But it doesn't end there. Uh, Look at look at uh, Galatians chapter four, verses five through seven. Says this: To redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, "Abba, Father." So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. The idea is that we're not just declared innocent. We're not just declared being in right standing in the eyes of the court. We are also adopted sons of the king. We are made as children The judge turns to you and says, because of what Jesus has done on the cross, you are declared innocent. Your sins are wiped clean. Your record is clean. But not only that, I now transition this court hearing not into uh, a court hearing about whether or not you're guilty, but now this is going to become an adoption hearing. Not only are you declared innocent, but you are now also declared an adopted son son or daughter of the king. Instead of receiving eternal punishment that you rightly deserve, you are now declared innocent. And instead of receiving that eternal punishment, you will now receive an eternal reward, eternal life. You will receive an eternal inheritance, the inheritance of God. You see, that leads me to today's big idea. If you've ever listened to one of my messages, I don't generally give three or five bullet points. I usually just give one. And I call it my big idea. And today's big idea is this. Jesus takes us from accused to adopted. Isn't that beautiful? Jesus takes us from accused to adopted. You see, you're not just saved, rescued from judgment. If you're a follower of Christ, it's not just that you're rescued from judgment. It's that you're also brought into the family as a child of God. You are adopted. You become a loved child of the king growing up i didn't have a great father and there was abuse there was uh, difficult situations i didn't have a great father figure growing up i had a skewed view of what a father was i didn't understand because my father did not treat me in a, a loving way but then my mom got remarried to my stepdad and that began to change because my stepdad didn't just treat me like a stepson. He treated me as if I was his own son. My dad loved me. My dad took care of me. He told me he was proud of me. He taught me what it was to be a good person, what it was to be a man. He did everything that a loving father would do and he, I wasn't even his biological child. I was his stepson. You see, it doesn't matter what your view or what your background or experience or history is with your father. You have been adopted by the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You've been adopted by the loving savior of the world, perfect in love. And he wants you to accept that invitation of love. You see, that's what Jesus did on the cross. He wipes away our sins so that we are declared innocent. And in that same action, he reconciled our broken relationship with God, not just to the point that we were reconciled, but reconciled so strongly that we become children of the King. We become children of God. That's what Jesus did for you. And maybe, maybe you don't believe in Jesus. But please hear me, Jesus loves you. He loves you so much that he was willing to die on a cross for you. That's love. He's willing, according to Romans 5 that we read earlier, he was willing out of his love for you to die for you even when you hated him, even when you were actively rebelling against him, even when you were his enemy he still died for you. He gave himself. He took the punishment that you deserve. He took it on himself so that you wouldn't have to. And he offers that to you. You see, this this gift of eternal life, this gift of being A child of God is only available to those who believe in him, who believe in what Jesus said, what he did, his death on the cross, his resurrection from the grave, and commit their lives to him. And if you don't believe in Jesus, I would encourage you to think about the love that Jesus has for you, the death that he paid so that you could be forgiven if you believe in him. And if you want to know more, if you've got questions about what it means to to be a follower of Jesus, I want you to do something. Uh, I want you to click the link that's down at the bottom of the post of this video. There's there's a, a link to our website, to the Contact Us page of our website. I want you to click that link. Go over to our website, to the Contact Us page. Fill out that short form. When I get that form from you, I will reach out to you personally, and I would love to answer any questions that you have about Jesus, uh, about what it looks like to start a journey with Jesus. Uh, You know, if you're ready to make a decision, I would love to walk you through that. But please, if you're not a believer and you've got questions, please reach out to us. Let us answer any of those questions you may have. Uh, Let us talk to you about what a journey with Jesus looks like. Uh, I would love to have that conversation with you. So please don't hesitate to reach out now. You see, Jesus died on a cross because our relationship with God was broken. Our sin had torn apart our relationship with God. And we needed someone who was worthy to come and do what was necessary to fix that broken relationship. And only Jesus could do that. Please hear me, there's nothing you can do to fix your relationship with God outside of Jesus himself. You need Jesus to fix that relationship. You need Jesus to be forgiven of your sins. Without Jesus, there's no reconciliation with God. Without Jesus, there's no forgiveness or grace or mercy. You need him. He's the only way to eternal life. That's what Jesus did for you. Jesus provides the forgiveness. He declares you innocent and it opens the door for you to be adopted as a child of God. That's why we celebrate Easter. We celebrate Easter because Jesus came and paid the ultimate price for you and I. What does that mean for you? If you're not a believer, again, please reach out to us. We would love to talk to you about what that looks like. But if you are a believer, think about the immensity of what Jesus has done for you. You've been set free out of the love that God, that Jesus has for you. What does that mean for your life? And what does that mean for sharing that love and salvation with those around you. Will you join me as we go to the Lord in prayer? Almighty God, we thank you so much for today. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you that you loved us so much that you sent your one and only son to die in our place, to pay the price that we could never pay. And Lord, we thank you that you loved us so much that you were were willing to do that. So, Lord, we pray for forgiveness. We pray that we would live our lives for Jesus. He has given so much. We pray that we would give so much. Lord, we pray that you would use us to lead every generation to the life-changing hope of Jesus. That we would not hold back that we would not be silent, but instead we would go out and we would tell others about how Jesus has changed our lives and how he can change their life as well. So Lord, use us, help us to live for you. In this Easter season, we pray that you would help us to show others the salvation of Jesus, the rescue that Jesus provides. We thank you, Lord, and we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.